continue to worship you as we listen uh, from your word now as Pastor Ryan comes up and teaches from your word. God, thank you that the same God that we see throughout scripture is here and present today. That's such a powerful thing. So Lord, as we grow now in you, would you let your spirit be palpable in this room and help us to pay attention to what you are doing. In your holy name that we pray, amen. Amen, have a seat this morning. Amen, how great thou art, right? Man, well hey, again, it's great to have you here today. Next weekend, we are beginning a new message series called Undaunted, where we're taking four weeks to look at some specific stories in scripture, accounts in scriptures where there's a courageous pursuit of God. And so we're super excited for this message series. And then following that, we're going to be working through the book of 1 John. So you're not going to want to miss out this fall. Uh, We have some great stuff for you to come. But today, we are finishing and wrapping up our series called The Good Life where we've been in Matthew chapter 5, we've been working through what's called the Beatitudes. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at today. And it's in this message series that we've been learning what Jesus unpacks as the good life, okay? And so our culture unpacks what the good life may look like. But here in Matthew 5, Jesus is unpacking what the good life consists of, of those who follow Jesus. Him. And so, so far we've looked at that the good life consists of being poor in spirit. The good life consists of mourning over our sins. The good life consists of being meek. The good life consists of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The good life consists of being merciful. The good life consists of being pure in heart. And last week we looked at how the good life consists by us being the peace makers, by being the ones who jump into the chaos and being peacemakers in this chaotic world. Now, when we look at what we've looked at in the past few weeks, which, by the way, it's all on the the website, it's all on the app, you can go back and listen to those past messages if you've missed any, but when we look at what we've covered, a lot of us can say, yes, I, I can strive for those things. I I can strive to be more meek. I can strive to hunger and thirst for righteousness. A lot of us have that mentality, which is great, and I'm so glad you have that. But when we come to this last beatitude, it kind of stops us in our tracks. Because when we read it, which we're about to, you kind of think of like, what? That's what the good life consists of? It's so opposite. It's so counterculture what our our culture tells us what the good life is. But yet here is Jesus placing it right before us that this is what the good life consists of. And so let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 together, okay? Matthew 5, verse 10. Let's read it together. Read it loud. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So just let this sink in for a little bit, okay? That God blesses those who are persecuted. So the good life consists of persecution, and the reward for your persecution is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if that's not as bold as Jesus could say it, he actually adds on to to this. I'll read this to you guys. Verses 11 and 12 goes further. Jesus continues and says, God blesses you when people mock you, 
persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. And just wait a minute, it gets even crazier. Jesus says, and by the way, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Okay, let me ask all of you. Have any of you had this stuff on your life goals ever? Did you ever write them down as one of your life goals? I would like to be mocked. I would like to be persecuted. I want people to lie about me and to say evil things about me. Have any of us ever put that on our life goals? No, we haven't, have we? Because this is so countercultural with the good life consists of, we actually try to run away and avoid these things, which is what we're going to look into today. And so what is Jesus trying to teach us through these verses? Jesus is teaching us that there is a great reward that comes from following him even when it's not easy. There is a great reward that we receive when we follow him even when it's Hard, or in other words, Jesus wants us to understand today that the good life consists of suffering like the Savior. Jesus wants us to suffer like the Savior. If, it's a big if, if we suffer like the Savior, Jesus already told us the reward is the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. The reward is the kingdom of heaven, and that will produce blessedness in this life and the next. That's the reward. But that, the big word in that statement is the word if. If we are willing to suffer like the Savior. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two, how not to suffer like the Savior, and three, how to suffer like the Savior so that we can embrace the good life that Jesus has for us today. And so let's look at the first how not to suffer like the Savior. The first how not to suffer like the Savior is living in such a way that you avoid it or persecution, okay? How not to suffer like the Savior is living in such a way where you avoid the suffering that comes from following Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you try to avoid pain and persecution and suffering at all costs, right? In fact, if you go further, our culture is so comfortable that we want to just be so comfortable when it comes to our lives. That's what we all strive for. In all aspects, we try to run from the things that make us uncomfortable. Here's a few examples. Um, first of all, if you're in uncomfortable temperatures, what do you do? All summer, it's been so humid, none of us wanted to go outside, so we stayed where? Inside, right? Why? Because we wanted to be comfortable. We, we avoided what could take place in the humidity, right? Which is sweat, instant sweat all summer, okay? Now, how about this example? Um, we avoid uncomfortable conversations, okay? Okay, let me explain this a little bit. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking to someone and you, all you're thinking about in your mind is, how do I get out of this conversation? Or 
Even better yet, have you been at a store and you've seen someone in a distance and you're like, I do not want to talk to them today? Okay? Some of you didn't laugh, but you, but you know it's true. You've done it. We've all done that before. You see, we avoid pain. We avoid uncomfortable situations at all costs. I wonder if we do the same thing in our faith. I wonder if we do the same thing when it comes to us following Jesus. I wonder how many of us want the reward that comes from following Jesus, but we don't want to endure the cost of what it takes to follow Jesus. Right, like we hear about this reward, this kingdom of heaven all the time, and and we say, yes, I want that reward, but when it comes to actually following Jesus, we don't want to endure the cost. We avoid it at all costs. It's interesting because you go back to that beatitude, and it doesn't say, it does not say God blesses those who might be persecuted. It doesn't say God blesses those who may be persecuted or if they're persecuted. Jesus says God blesses those who are persecuted. Following Jesus, persecution is going to happen. It's inevitable. If you're living your life like Jesus would want you to, the good life, everything we've talked about in this whole series, then naturally you're going to have people say evil things about you. You're going to have people lie about you. You're going to have people revile you. And in fact, you can go on the opposite side. You can conclude that if you and I aren't being ridiculed in any way, then we probably aren't living our lives the way Jesus wants us to. That if you fit into culture so much that no one even knows that you follow Jesus, you're not living the way that Jesus would want you to. You see, we cannot live our Christian lives trying to avoid persecution. Because if you're following Jesus, persecution will happen. So how to suffer like the Savior, so how not to suffer, don't, don't avoid it, but rather we need to live in such a way where we embrace it, where we embrace it. Look what Jesus says in verse 12. We already kind of laughed at this part, right? Be happy about it, Jesus says. Be happy about it. Be very glad that persecution has come. I love what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Timothy was a young pastor, and I bet you he was writing or communicating with Paul, sharing with Paul, saying, man, this is hard. There is tons of persecution, and Paul says, yeah, I know. And he actually writes this letter while he's in chains. He says, yes, those who live a godly life will be persecuted. To go even further, the apostles in Acts chapter 5, look at what happens to them. They're in the high council, and the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. For some reason, I always picture them walking out of the high council, like clicking their heels together. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I always do. But it, they, were, they, they, they were rejoicing, which Paul says to rejoice in your sufferings in Romans 5. They were rejoicing 
that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace. They were giving up everything. Because your name, your reputation was everything. And they were willing to give it up for the name of Jesus. They were willing to give up their name for his name. They were willing to go through it. They embraced the suffering. And we need to embrace the suffering as well. This persecution, this, this suffering that we go to, they got beat, okay? They, they just beat, instead of killing them, they beat them and then let them go. You see, we won't, we won't probably have to face that in our lives. But we will endure suffering and persecution in our way as well. And so the question we need to ask is, is how, how do we know that our suffering is the kind of suffering that honors Jesus, okay? So that right there in Acts 5, that was God honoring. Like they were preaching Jesus as the Christ. That's why they got beat. That's why they suffered. That was an honorable reason to suffer for Jesus. And so this leads us into our next how not to suffer. Our next how not to suffer is that we do not suffer for being mocked for the wrong reasons. Okay, let me just share with you, there are wrong reasons to be mocked in your life, okay? There are many Christians who would say that they're being persecuted or mocked for their faith, but sometimes it's not because of Jesus. Sometimes it's simply because of them, right? Sometimes it's simply because of me, and it's not because of Jesus. I love what Matt Chandler says. He actually, is a really blunt quote, okay? And I, re- I like it a lot. Matt Chandler says, if you're being reviled and hated and it's true that people revile and hate you and it's not because of Jesus, you're probably a jerk and need to repent, okay? Which is true. If it's not because of Jesus, if it's not because of your faith, if it's not because you're being persecuted for the gospel, then you probably need to look deep within and you need to repent in your life. You see, there are times in our culture that the culture mocks the church. They revile the church. They revile those who follow Jesus. And many of us want to point the fingers that, oh, they're the issue. But we're the issue. I'm the issue. Many times we're the problem. Sometimes Christ followers are some of the rudest, most unloving people out there, aren't they? People unwilling to step in the gap. People unwilling to be the peacemakers. People unwilling to be meek. People unwilling to be poor in spirit. I could go on with that list. Sometimes we're the worst of them all. But how can that be when Christ was the opposite? How can that be when Jesus showed and modeled for us what it looked like to be a follower of him? He was the greatest example of that. And so instead of being reviled and mocked for the wrong reasons, we need to be reviled and mocked for the right reasons. And that's our next, how to suffer like the Savior. We need to suffer like the Savior and be mocked for the right reasons. Back to Matthew 5.10, it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For doing right. And further in verse 11, he goes on, God blesses you when People mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. Why? Because you are my followers. Because you are my followers. Jesus says that we will be persecuted for following him and doing 
what is right. We're living a life of righteousness. We're living a life of righteousness. And so then we have to ask the question, well, what is righteousness? What does that actually mean to to be righteous or to live righteous? D.A. Carson says that the righteous are those determined to live as Jesus lived. Now, I know that's a kind of a cliche answer because if you've grown up in church, you've heard this a lot. Oh, just live like Jesus did. Okay, well, it's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy in our lives to live that out. We have all the great, great, great desires to do that, but a lot of times we fail miserably, don't we? And so I think John, John chapter 1, verse 14 shows us what does it truly to live like Jesus? And I think this will sum it up really well. The word, which is Jesus, okay? Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Here it is, full of grace and truth. 100% grace, 100% truth, together in all situations. Now think of your life. How many times have you spoke truth but lacked grace? It's often in my life. How many times have you done something out of grace but you were missing truth when it's needed, right? You can think of those times in our life. Jesus was full, 100% grace and truth at the same time. And so we need to strive to speak up for what is right, but with grace and truth. We need to strive to show others what is right, but with grace and truth. We need to lead others and influence others in what is right, but with grace and truth. You guys kind of catching on here? And we need to live according to what is right, but with grace and truth. You guys can say that next time with me, but I'm done, so we're good. (laughs) You see, that's it. It's striving to live our lives full of grace and full of truth at the same time, having them together in all situations. I know it's hard. I fail at it all the time. But that's the amazing part is we have a Savior that we can run to and ask for help and repent and repent for our shortcomings and lean into him in the midst of our failures. You see, Jesus was both of them, and that led to his suffering and being mocked. That led to him to the cross where he ultimately died on the cross for you and for me, for our failures, for our sins, for our shortcomings, but yet to resurrect three days later in victory, right? Jesus was reviled, he was mocked, and that led to his death. And so the question is, is you know what? Is this Christian life, are we gonna get weary of it? Is it gonna be tiring to try to be like Jesus and live like Jesus and be full of grace and truth? Absolutely it is, isn't it? So how do we get through? How do we get through that? How do we get to that next step? Well, it's our last how to suffer. We need to suffer like the Savior by being convinced that the temporary pain of our suffering, our persecution, our people mocking us, lying about us, all of that, our temporary pain of suffering for Jesus points to our eternal reward of being with Jesus, of being with Jesus. You see, Matthew 5, 12, 
reminds us. It says, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And Paul wanted to unpack this for us as well in Hebrews chapter 11, which he does. If you've never read Hebrews 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. And it goes through all of the ancient prophets and what they went through in their lives, their pain, their suffering. And guess what? None of them received the promise in this life, but yet they had the hope of the next. And they went through it all because of their hope in their God. And in fact, you go further, Jesus went through everything and endured everything he went through with the hope of attaining salvation for you and for me through his death and resurrection. You see, we need to live lives convinced that the temporary pain of our persecution, of our suffering, being lied about, mocked, reviled, but our hope outweighs that all in eternal life. And the beauty of that is that hope never puts us to shame. Paul says that in Romans 5. Our hope in Christ will never put us to shame. And so in the end, we need to strive to suffer like the Savior. We need to, we can't avoid it. We can't live lives trying to be away from all those uncomfortable situations where we're persecuted, those situations in life. In fact, we need to embrace it in our lives like the disciples did and the apostles did. We need to live lives where we aren't mocked for the wrong reasons, but yet we are being mocked for the right reasons because of the gospel, because of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And then we need to live lives focused on this idea that our temporary pain is not the end, but yet we have an eternal hope that's only found in Christ. And so as Spencer comes out today, we're going to end with this, uh, this great prayer by Scotty Smith. And this prayer is titled, The Longing for a Gospel-Shaped, Grace-Filled Heart. And what Scotty Smith does here, he's the author of this, what he does is that he just prays through the Beatitudes. And like I said, we've been in the Beatitudes for about eight weeks now. And so what Spencer's going to do, he's going to read the Beatitude. I'm going to read a prayer that follows. But what we want you to do in the next four to five minutes, we want this to be a moment of reflection. We want this to be a moment where you just kind of listen to the Scripture and to listen to the prayer. And however God's convicting you, however God's working in your heart, just let that be a moment between you and God. And then at the end, we're just going to wrap it up together, okay? And so we begin with the first beatitude. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And Lord Jesus, now that I'm no longer condemned for my sins, convict me quickly and deeply. Keep me always aware of my need for more grace and more of the Spirit's work in my life. I want to be a chief repenter in my relationships. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Lord, free me to grieve about the ways I love poorly, not making lame excuses or insincere promises. 
grant me godly sorrow and the comfort you alone can give. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. Lord, I love humility in others. Grow a more humble heart in me. Jesus, for surely I have plenty about which to be humble. By grace, make me more gentle and less defensive. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now that you are my legal righteousness, Jesus, intensify my hunger for becoming a more righteous man and someone who works tirelessly and hopefully for justice in my community. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As I have received so much mercy in the gospel and daily mercies from my Father, may I be far more merciful in my relationships and situations that tend to aggravate me. I want to lead with kindness, not rightness. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Oh, Jesus, I long for the day I will see you as you are and will be made like you. Until then, grant me a purer heart, a single heart, a whole heart with which to love, worship, and serve blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. And God, you are my peace. Jesus, you have reconciled me to God by your life, death, and resurrection once and for all. Hallelujah. By the Spirit, use me as a peacemaker in my relationships and community. Forgive me when I care more about winning than loving. God blesses those who are persecuted while doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If I am to be persecuted for anything, may it be for living out the implications of the gospel in my community. May the gospel be the only offensive thing about me, Jesus. So very amen, I pray, in your glorious and grace-filled name. Let's just sing the doxology together. God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All creatures. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. May we all leave here today with this idea of living the good life the way Jesus wants us to live the good life.
We have just a final reminder that tonight at 6 p.m. we are having a worship night in the park with a few other churches. And so we would love to invite all of you there at 6 p.m. It's at Waterworks Park, which is like right downtown Port Clinton. It's outside. You can distance. You can even stay in your cars if you would like. We would love to have you there as we come together as a community to worship. And as always, remain seated until someone dismisses you. And I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you next week.